So today we're going to start a new series on the book of Psalms in the Bible's Old Testament, the book of Psalms, all right? And this is um, a large book in the Bible. I think it's got, a, what, 150 Psalms in the Bible? And we'll go through how it's organized and all of that uh, over time. But we're going to start it off today, and uh, I want to give you an introduction to the Psalms and look at the first, the very, very first Psalm in uh, the Bible's Old Testament. And what Psalms really are and are not is a big um, piece of how you understand them. Because Psalms in the Bible are probably people's most favorite book in the Old Testament. I've never heard anybody say, you know, if you ask them, what's your favorite Old Testament book? I'll put that out to the people on Facebook, okay? They're on and YouTube. You're about 20 seconds behind us live. So fire in your answer. What is your favorite book in the Old Testament? And be honest, okay? But not a lot of people say um, Leviticus, you know? I just love Leviticus, you know, or I just love... Uh, uh, you know, First Samuel and Second Samuel, or I just love the, you know, the more violent stories in the Old Testament, the better, you know, that's just, that's what I'm looking for, the, the love, the book of Judges, you know, what a depressing book, it's just like cycle of sin after cycle of sin after, I just love the book of Judges, no, you're probably going to hear, I like the Psalms. Right? I, I've done a lot of funerals in my life. I've never had anybody read from the book of Leviticus in a funeral. Uh, they're going to read from the book of Psalms. And because the Psalms are just that, a psalm was like a song. It was an expression. It was a cry from the heart. This is what Psalms were. This is what Psalms are today. It's an old word, but that's kind of what it means. And the problem that people have when they approach the Psalms, if you get anything from this whole series, just get this one part because this will help you to properly read and to interpret the Psalms. Psalms are so badly misquoted and taken out of context, little verses from the Psalms, ripped out of their context and applied in really strange ways that the authors did not intend, but this happens all the time, and that's because when we approach the Psalms, oftentimes we don't understand what kind of literature we're approaching. You're not reading the Apostle Paul when you read the Psalms, okay? Paul teaches uh, doctrine. You are not reading doctrine being taught when you're reading the Psalms. You're not reading the Gospels when you're reading the Psalms. The Gospels are a narrative. They're a, they're a story of the life of Jesus, if you will. A little picture, a little vignette of the life of Jesus. You're not reading the Gospels. You're not reading um, Revelation when you read the Psalms, okay? When you're reading the Psalms, you have to understand what kind of literature is this before I start to interpret it. Because what we always want is the idea on the left of your screen, the Bible contains words from God to people. Pick up the Psalms, it's God's words to people. If you go in with those kinds of lenses and you're approaching the Psalms, you're going you're gonna to end up way, way off on, a, on a, a, a bend there that's strange and bizarre. And that's not the way, the way that the Psalms are. 
What we have to understand is not only does the Bible have the words of God to people, the Bible also has the words of people to God. So people expressing themselves to God, this is also in the Bible. And this is also the inspired word of God. So you're not reading, you know, Isaiah, the prophet, speaking on behalf of God when you're reading the Psalms. Although you do have some Psalms that are actually prophetic, you have to let the scripture interpret itself there. So uh, what we know a Psalm is prophetic when somebody in the New Testament refers to it that way. So we say, oh, okay, this was obviously meant to be something prophetic to these people. All right. But when you approach Psalms, you do not say, well, this is Isaiah. Otherwise, again, you're going to be way off on a, on a track there that's, that's off the wall. So not only does the Bible contain words from God to people, it also contains words from people to God. And that's precisely what the Psalms are. So many people today, they say, how do I pray? Well, read the Psalms. The Psalms are filled with prayers. Some of the prayers are a little strange. Um, maybe we'll cover a couple of what they call imprecatory Psalms. You know what an imprecatory Psalm is? That's a Psalm where someone is asking God to do something bad to somebody else. <laughs> so there's a Psalm that where, where you know, the psalmist is writing He's asking God to destroy, you know, people and people's children, all right? That's what you call an imprecatory psalm. It doesn't mean he was right. It means that's how he was expressing himself. That's how he was praying to God. It doesn't necessarily mean that, it, that it's all, all okay, I got to pray exactly like that. No, this is an expression from the heart of the person to God. And it teaches us something about people. It teaches us something about God. And so you have to approach the Psalms that way. If you want to learn how to pray and how not to pray, read the Psalms. If you want to learn more about God's character and how he deals with people, read the Psalms. If you want to learn how to express joy and sorrow and success and failure, and hope, and regret, and repentance, etc., etc. You want to learn how the people expressed it back then, read the Psalms. So it's how do I learn to cultivate and to communicate to God and my relationship with God? And what do I learn about God's ways when I read the Psalms? Because they can teach us about the ways that God deals with people and interacts with people. Are you with me so far? So if you get nothing else from the whole series, at least get that, because especially now, and we'll probably cover Psalm 91, especially during a, a pandemic, uh, wow, you've got people pulling pieces of, of Psalms out of the woodwork there and applying them in these bizarre and strange ways, and then they realize, well, wait a second, it's not working for me. How come? I thought this is God's word. It is. But it's God's word about people's word to God, okay? So look at it that way. And today we're going to look at a really simple uh, uh, psalm, but a really powerful psalm. It's the first one, uh, psalm number one. And if you have a paper Bible, uh, psalms are kind of right smack dab in the middle. If you have an electronic one, you can go ahead and look it up there. 
And uh, I'm going to read this psalm from the older New International Version. I like some of the ways that it's worded, but you can read it in pretty well any version, and it's going to give you, it's going to give you the, the impact of it, okay? By the way, uh, when you read the Bible, just this is for free, uh, when you're reading a passage and you're troubled by the passage especially, uh, read it in several different versions, um, you know, again, you can find these things online for free. The best one, the fastest one, is called YouVersion, Y-O-U version. Uh, it's a great app, multilingual. I think it's got like 60 different versions of the Bible on there. Read it in different versions. Pick away at it because different versions translate differently, and you can get the fuller meaning of the text without being a Hebrew or a Greek scholar, okay? So uh, this is Psalm 1, the very, very first one in the Bible's Old Testament. Blessed is the man, it says, but this is blessed is the one, okay? And no means, is, uh, by no means is this trying to exclude uh, the female gender, okay? Just the time it was written, that's the way they did it. So I'll read it this way. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Note the, note the image, okay? Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Or stand... In the way of sinners. Wow, that's strong language if you jettison to the 21st century. You know, you've got the wicked and you've got sinners. So blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Hmm. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree. So note the word like there. That's uh, in the English language. We call that a simile. You're going to see tons of similes and metaphors in the Psalms. So this person who meditates day and night on the law of God, he is like what? He's like a tree planted by streams of water. Oh, when you plant a tree by streams of water, it's going to get really good nourishment, right? Which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. That's some, some good tree. I'd love to eat fruit from that tree, wouldn't you? And whatever this person does prospers. Now, just here's an example of ripping a verse out of context, right? Where people say, well, if I, if I do the things that are written here, then whatever I do will prosper. Whatever, whatever, whenever, whatever, 100%, 1,000%, a million percent of the time. And then they do, they try to do what it says. They say, how come I'm not prospering? <laughs> how, come I'm not, how come I'm poor? I'm doing all these things. Well, because you've got to understand this is an expression here. This is not some kind of blanket 1,000% of the time this works and like a little magic formula, okay? Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff, the leftover uh, uh, sort of shell uh, it, that the wind blows away. It's gone. It's nothing there. It's dissipated to nothing. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor... Sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over 
the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 1. If you like memorizing scripture, it's a great passage to memorize, really easy to memorize. And it's, it teaches several things there. Things that are really hard for us to grapple with in the 21st century today because uh, they're so direct and so blunt. Number one, right off the bat here, you've got two kinds of people and you've got two completely different moral views. Right away, he's using these words, wicked, sinner, mocker. I mean, we barely use these words today, even in English. You ever go up to someone and say, you're wicked? You ever go up to someone and say, you mocker, right? If you go up to someone and say, you sinner, you wicked person, you mocker, they're going to look at you and say, they'll have other words for you, right? But he's establishing, wow, there's a clear, two different, clear moral paths here. Very, very different. So today, we, we can get like thrown in jail when we start using language like this. Because people don't like, you know, don't tell me that my moral view is wrong. Don't tell me that I'm a sinner. Don't tell me that I'm wicked. Don't tell me about my morality. Well, he, the, the author is clearly doing this. And he's saying there, there's two kinds of people here. There's the person who they walk in the counsel of the wicked. So the wicked will give counsel. They'll give you advice, he's saying. They'll... They'll commiserate together. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll have things to say. This person does not walk in their counsel. This person does not sit in the way of sinners. So, psalmist is saying sinners have a way. This person doesn't sit in that way. This person does not park themselves in that way. Doesn't mean he hates them. Doesn't mean he condemns them. It doesn't mean that. It means he chooses, she chooses not to live that way. This person's choosing a different way. Doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, doesn't stand in the way of sinners, doesn't sit in the seat of mockers. Any of you remember the Muppet Show? Muppet Show? Some of you, you're too young to remember the Muppet Show? Okay, the Muppet Show, they had these two guys... Remember these two old guys? They'd sit up in the rafters, you know, way up there, and they'd just mock everything. Remember those two guys? This is kind of more serious than that, but the, the mocker does not, does not sit in the seat of mockers. But this person, their delight is in condemning sinners. Their delight is to find everybody's sin and condemn them and to stand on their soapbox and to say, this is wrong, this is wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're all going to, to an eternal fire. And that, No, it doesn't say that. This person is not a religious legalist. No, this person is, there's nothing in here that says that they're pointing fingers, but they clearly have chosen to not walk a certain way, to not stand in a certain way, and to not sit in a certain way. And this is metaphorical language, right? There's a progression, walking, standing, being seated. There's a progression there. So there's lifestyle 
the way the person sees the world, their moral view, they have chosen a different path than the other moral view. So he's clearly putting out two different ways here, two different moral views. Let me submit to you and to those of you who are watching online, there still is a such thing as moral evil. There still is sin. These things, I, I, would, I would suggest, are still very, very accurate and very true. There, the sinners exist, and you and I are amongst that lot, right? The only difference is we've been forgiven by Christ and can walk in a different way because of that. But all of us, if you go by the Bible, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not born with a blank slate, all good, and, you know, we sort of learn bad things along the way. The Bible has a completely other worldview to present, and it will say to us, you're born with your back up against God. You're born with your little fist up in the air against God. This is a really, really, uh, by today's standards, that is very offensive, uh, that it is very offensive to people when you tell them the Bible's worldview. But I would suggest to you that it is the accurate worldview. Uh, I, I work a couple of days a week in a large food bank, and I run the, the thrift store side of the food bank, make money for the food bank that way. You know, I've seen, I've seen this uh, come to life working over there. Do you know people steal from a food bank? Do you know people will steal an item that's worth 50 cents? They will collaborate, they will commiserate, and they will steal. Uh, this past week, I had another complaint about a, a, a senior man. This guy would be in his 70s, if not 80s. Small, very fragile, frail almost, a guy who comes into the store to steal to change price tags on things, to he will steal donated goods that are in the front of the store. He will pull plants up out of the garden. He will do whatever he can to steal. And you look, you say, it's impossible. He looks like a saint. He looks like a, his picture should be on a mural somewhere. No, he, he steals. And he's in his late 70s, if not early 80s. You say, wow, that's It's impossible. No, it's very possible because there is a way, there is a moral uh, transgression, there is an evil, there is sin that exists. These things are still true today. So he's trying to establish this right off the bat, and then he starts getting into really practical stuff. What is our response to, you know, sin, wickedness, mocking, these kinds of things, and what is the result? Well, this, this individual, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And again, we see no discussion about religious legalism. He's not standing on a soapbox and shaking his fist at the ungodly world. And I do believe that there is a place for that. There is, I think, today still a kind of a prophetic ministry where you have people who call out, corruption and injustice and all of these things, 
Um, and they do so in a very, I think, godly fashion. There is a place for that. Some do it in a very ungodly fashion, mind you. But there, I think, still is a ministry sort of like John the Baptist, you know, where people are, are being called to account for their behavior and being called out uh, for injustice and sin and all these kinds of things. And there is a kind of a reckoning that we see happening in culture. Again, some of it is done in a way I think that honors God and some of it isn't. But that said, this individual here, his delight is not in that. There's no discussion about that. His delight is in the law of the Lord. In fact, this person, he, he or she memorizes, meditates on the law of the Lord. That would be, in their time, the first five books of the Bible, what we would call the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Ugh, meditating on that? Person's meditating on the law of the Lord, delighting in the law of the Lord. It makes this person happy to dive in to the law of the Lord. Application for today. Do you read the Bible at all? You've got a much bigger Bible than they had back then when this was being written. You've got a really, you know, much more information. It's really easy to read. You can read. Imagine. You know, a lot of the people, even 2,000 years ago, when the gospel was being preached, a lot of those people couldn't even read. Um, they would hear it, and that's how they would learn it, but a lot of them couldn't read. We, I think everybody in this room can read. I think everybody who's watching online can read. Um, do you read the scripture? Just a little built-in challenge there. And you see the result in this person's life. They're, the, the way that they uh, live, the way that they uh, grow, it's like, a, it's like a tree that's planted by these streams of water. And you just watch their life over a long period of time, and you see that there's fruit coming out of their life. You see that what they do, it's different somehow than what other people do who are in the other camp. It's like they're prospering, comparatively speaking. It's like they're doing well, comparatively speaking. I think of Joseph uh, from the Old Testament. Didn't matter if they threw him in, in a pit. It didn't matter if he ended up in prison. Uh, wherever this young man was, he was like a tree that was blossoming. He, he, you put him in the prison, he ends up being the warden, you know? I mean, it, it didn't matter. He, he had this, long, this longevity about him and the way that he carried himself. Uh, he was put in charge of all these different things because people could recognize this in this young man's life. There was something different about him. He's like this person being mentioned here. And then, he, and then he goes further, the writer, and he says, not so with the wicked. So there's a different sort of set of consequences, and this is kind of how the psalm ends. So you've got two kinds of people. You've got two moral views from those kinds of people, and you've got two entirely different sets of consequences. Right? So the wicked, he says, 
are like chaff, so different simile. They're like chaff. That's a leftover shell. When you harvested grain, you're left with this chaff. It's useless. You burn it, you let it blow away, it's useless. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. You ever seen, um, I'll give you another pop culture image, um, uh, Avengers, uh, what's it, Endgame? No, the one before Endgame. The one where everybody turns to dust. Did you see that one? (laughs) Okay, so at the end, you know, the villain Thanos, he snaps his his finger, and what happens? You see these people, and they're alive. They're, they just turn to this dust. It's really creepy. Um, it's, this is kind of like that. This is kind of the image. It's like these people's lives, it's just like the wind just blows them away, and you pick up the, there's nothing left. This is what he's saying. This is the ultimate. You play the movie forward. You play the tape forward in the life, the life of the wicked person, the life of the ungodly, the life of the sinner, and the wind is going to blow them away. Maybe not all at once. Maybe it won't happen. Maybe it'll take years. But at the end, their life is going to be just, just obliterated. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. What judgment, we ask? So it seems like this psalmist believes in some kind of impending future judgment. And this is Old Testament. Interesting that he has this perspective. So there is something to come where people will be judged for their actions. The righteous on one path, the unrighteous on another path. So the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Sinners will not stand in the assembly of the righteous. And finally, he concludes his his, uh, little psalm this way. The Lord, what does he do? He, He watches over the way of the righteous. There's a kind of picture of sovereignty there. He's watching over you. Uh, Sort of like... um, uh, back in that time when you had uh, uh, birds, eagles that were being trained for flight by their you know, mothers and parents, parent birds, so to speak. They would watch over their young ones, right? They would teach them to fly, but they wouldn't do the work for them. They would shove them out of the nest, nudge them a little bit, and then watch over them. That's the picture here. He watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, it's going, to, it's going to perish, just like that dust. So it brings to mind all kinds of things for us, right? So you're probably asking yourself, well, which kind of person am I? Am I the righteous person? Uh, do I delight in, in God's, for us, God's word? Am I reading it? Is it making an impact in my life? Or am I really no different than the world around me? Am I kind of, I'm kind of walking in the counsel of the wicked. Like, I'm doing the same things that they do. I'm saying the same things that they say. I'm, I'm believing the same things that they believe. Or I'm standing in the way of the sinful. So there's nothing that delineates me from them. If, if you saw us all in a line, you wouldn't see any difference in my life. Uh, or I'm sitting in that seat 
of the mocker. Again, no distinction. So which person am I and what consequences am I going to run into as a result? If you're interpreting the psalm that way, that's the way that he intended you to interpret it. So I'd like Viano and uh, Sean to come up and just, you guys can play a little bit as we uh, just finish up and close in prayer here. Uh, but I wonder if there are those of you who you, you just read this, just by reading this, and you say, oh boy, you know, I really feel like God is kind of poking me around a little bit when I read this, this simple, simple psalm. It's like he's pointing his finger at me. You know, my, my Bible life is really bad. It's really dry. Like I think it's been six months since I picked up the Bible. You know, much less delight, delighting in it or meditating on it. I think it's been a really long time since I just sort of picked up the scripture and read the scripture and got something out of the scripture. Or maybe for you, you're just, I mean, it's, it's not just that you're dabbling around in this stuff. You're caught in a whirlwind. You're in a cycle, like a vicious cycle where sin has enveloped your, your life. Maybe that's happened to you and you're trying to do the Christian thing, but it's like the sin is more powerful and it's got you in a cycle. And if you were to stand up and, and say what's really going on in your life or you write about it online, you'd think people would be shocked. Uh, I've discovered that even in, in churches and people's lives, people go to church every week, they can be caught in a cycle, vicious, vicious cycle of sin that they can't get out of. So, Father, I pray for each person who's watching today online, each person who's here in the room, people who are going to watch later, people who are going to listen later on. And I pray that through the power of the Spirit, you would put your finger on our hearts, God. You would put your your finger into our minds and, and uh, Lord, you would impress into our soul uh, the need that we have, God, especially in this time, uh, to make the decision to serve you, to say, as for me and my house, we will serve you, Lord. We will walk a different way. We will stand a different way. We will sit in a different seat. Even if it costs us something, God, even if we're made fun of as a result, even if we're, we lose certain things and we, and we sacrifice certain things as a result, Lord, it's too important. Uh, help us, God, to, to think of, of the consequences of our actions. Lord, I pray for that person who's, who's watching right now and they're caught in a vicious, vicious cycle. I pray that the Spirit of God would speak to that person and would, would reach and pull them out of, that, out of that darkness, God. Lord, we praise you and we thank you today. You're, you're just so good to us and so gracious to us and so patient with us. Teach us, Lord, to follow you once again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you today. And uh, boy, I'll be around, uh, around at the front. I'd love to visit with you. The band's going to play for a little bit. We'll probably cut the stream a little short today so we can get to the cleanup earlier. Remember, if you have kids over in number 13, make sure you pick them up and don't leave them behind. Okay. 
Tomorrow night I'll be on at 7, and then Wednesday night we'll have our Bible study as well. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.